One of my favorite stories from my childhood is from when I was in nursery two. I'm not sure what the um, Canadian, American, whatever, like outside of Nigerian um, version of nursery two is. Like, I don't know what the equivalent is, but I was about four years old. And my school had this thing called um, VIP. So essentially what that was, was kids would be picked like every Friday, like, and it was like a rotating thing. Um, Every Friday, a kid would be picked um, and they would bring pictures from home, um, just kind of showing them, showing their life, like things they did outside of school. And um, they would typically bring like snacks for the class as well. Like their parents would typically like send them in with snacks. And essentially for the whole day, you got to wear like a crown and a sash that they would make for you. And it would say VIP and then you would take pictures after school. And it would typically like be like a boy and a girl. So, um, and uh, so essentially it was like show and tell is what this thing was like, except it was only like a pair of kids every Friday. So I'd been in the class for some time and I hadn't gotten picked to be VIP. So I'd seen like week after week, all these kids coming in, being VIP, getting to show their pictures, getting to, you know, wear this crown, take pictures after school, like just getting this VIP treatment. And I was like, when is it going to be my turn? And I think like I was, I don't know if I was going to make the list in the end. I feel like it might have been one of those things where the class was uneven. So like in the end, probably not every single kid was going to get to be VIP, but it wasn't like a merit-based thing. So essentially, I just felt like, um, when is it going to be my turn? I don't know why people are taking forever. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. So what does Little Toast do? She goes home and um, I used to like stay in my mom's room, right? And my mom's room is where the albums lived and where all my pictures were. And I knew the exact drawer where the pictures were. And it wasn't like a thing where my mom was like, oh, don't touch that drawer or anything like that. So one day I'm going to school and I'm packing my bag for school and I go into the drawer, I pack like a bunch of albums and pictures and stuff and I take them to school. And I go to my teacher in the morning and I'm like, I am reporting for VIP duties. I am here to be the VIP because that's what I am. Um, and obviously my, my teacher was confused, but they couldn't just send me back home like, or like not send me back home, but they couldn't just like, you know, I was four, right? They couldn't just say no. So they ended up making me a sash and a crown, like I guess on the spots and making me VIP because I had declared myself VIP. And that story is so funny because in the end, when my mom came to pick me up from school, they like it was like shocking to everyone. Like my mom was like, wait, what? And teachers were like, yeah, what? Like so like it was just funny to everyone that I made that decision on my own to be VIP. And I decided that that's what I was going to be. And, you know, I just, um, I just did that for myself, right? And I think growing up, I appreciate that story more because it's this idea of like, if, you know, they don't make a seat for you at the table, like bring your own chair type of thing. <laughs> but that's not where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is in many ways, I've always been this very special person, right? Like I've always been, special that word has been associated with me severally right right from my childhood and there's something 
about about that you know that when you grow older and you start to see life with more context like really really just informs your perspective so i was trying to do a very cute thing i don't like this this transition is very very faulty but i was trying to do a cute thing and then now intro to this topic but anyway it's not too late hi guys welcome to another episode of talk to me toast uh it's your girl toast and today we're going to be talking about attention deficit disorder add and my experience with that um i i think i kind of mentioned it like a couple episodes in like i've mentioned it here and there but i i think i'm finally ready to fully have a conversation around it and this is going to be my like i've i've shared a lot of vulnerable and transparent stuff on the internet especially on this podcast but i i can already tell that this is probably going to be my most transparent episode yet or my most vulnerable episode yet i don't even know but yeah it is what it is so attention deficit disorder what is that so attention deficit disorder is essentially what the name you know implies it's a form of neurodivergence where um your short-term attention span isn't the greatest um and it presents in many different ways uh, for different people you guys might be more familiar with adhd which which is attention deficits and hyperactivity disorder and um essentially like they kind of go hand in hand except with add which is what i have you don't present you know as much for hyperactivity right like in terms of symptoms um i i'm not you know necessarily the most hyperactive um how do i know i have add i got assessed by a doctor i'm not just get you know speculating add adhd in particular is a very big buzzword now that everyone is talking about but i'm not like just saying it because like it's a cool thing and like i've self-diagnosed based off a few tiktoks like i actually sought professional help um so i think i'll start off kind of just like talking about how I found out that I had ADD, like what led me to that point of feeling like I needed to get assessed, how I went about that, everything. So, um, like I shared in my story, I've always been this very special kid. And like throughout my life, there's just been all these things that I've felt and realized weren't like normal in the sense that how my mind worked and just how my emotions kind of ranged um throughout the day and overall like i just had this sense for a very long time that existing was hard and it was a very dark thing to kind of navigate especially as i transitioned to adulthood because adulting is particularly hard when you're not neurotypical right um and i don't have enough time to really really get into like educating everyone on add adhd um maybe there'll be more episodes getting into like you know specific deets in the future but i encourage you like if it's something that you're curious that you're curious about to go do your own research anyway so i always had this sense of you know there's something off with me right like i just i one of the ways i would describe it is for the longest time i would always feel like i was late to the party like everyone else like as a child like everyone else like got some kind of context that i didn't have like i just didn't fully understand right so 
it was just a looming sense that everyone else was in on something that I wasn't in on. I don't know how to really, really word that, but it was it was something that had been with me like when I was in primary school, when I was in secondary school, and into my adulthood. It was something I felt at home. It was something I felt in church. It was something I felt everywhere, right? And that feeling just wouldn't leave me. And I remember at certain times that I would kind of crawl into a corner in my mom's room and kind of just be by myself. And I remember like everyone kind of thinking some of the things I would do as a child were just out of like fun and wanting to, um, you know, I don't know, like quirks, children are weird. (laughs) But for me, it was this deeper sense of just needing to be alone because I was exhausted. And now that I'm older, I've started to understand that a lot of what I did as a child is what people call masking, which is more common with women who have attention deficit disorder or ADHD um, to mask. And what that means is essentially to try and put on a neurotypical front. And guys, I know like all this stuff, like I don't like, not that I know, I don't know what part of it is like very unclear because I feel like I've just done so much research around like ADD since, you know, I became very intentional about diagnosis and all that type of stuff. Um, So just forgive me if anything I'm sharing isn't like very clear and just, you know, do a quick Google search on the side (laughs) to maybe try and understand. But essentially like I just, you know, knew that something was off and it was becoming increasingly hard I was in this space and it's funny because this podcast literally documented that journey in some ways of feeling like I couldn't keep up this act anymore. Like I, I just felt like I was acting all the time. Um, I felt like I, like I wasn't free to live authentically and everything was hard. Like my faith was hard. And I think that was one of the hardest things to come to terms with was it wasn't that I didn't love God. It wasn't that, you know, I didn't, care about God but there were just all these factors in my mind that just wouldn't let me enjoy my relationship with God and when you are someone from a Christian background that stuff is hard because you know you're taught that the answer the answer to everything is in the Bible (laughs) the answer to everything is in the place of prayer and you know you're struggling with certain things right like for me personally I was struggling with the routine of reading my Bible um struggling with the routine of prayer and it wasn't for lack of interest. It wasn't for lack of effort. But I just couldn't keep it up, you know? And I would beat myself up for just not being the kind of Christian I needed to be. And as it pertained to, like, you know, even, like, weight gain and weight loss, like, people would say things like, you know, just put effort. It's not easy, but, like, you know, you can you can do it. Like, you just need to, you know, put effort. And it's like, um, I'm trying and it's not working. And, you know, there'll just be several days of just feeling like I can't do anything and several days of feeling like now I can do everything. And so it became very impossible to keep track of like what my capabilities were, because I would one day be so capable and be able to do everything I set out to do. And then another another day I would be essentially useless. Right. And it started to cause like issues, right, with like interpersonal relationships, because when you present yourself a certain way, people will have certain expectations of you. So it doesn't make sense when you're having an off day that is just an off day, like without context. Like you get it, you just wake up that day and you just can't. Nobody really understands that, right? Because it's like, why? 
and when you struggle with certain things that are seemingly easy and it's funny because with aadd right like uh, i'm just going to use the terms interchangeably i might say adhd a lot because that's what a lot of people talk about but it's like you know kind of one and the same but slightly different anyway with adhd um essentially you struggle to accomplish tasks that are not challenging not novel or um i forget the other one anyway but essentially when things are challenging there's that extra motivation to do it right because your brain your adhd brain likes a challenge um when things are new you know your brain is excited like yes 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 yes, yes, yes new thing let's do it but with the mundane day-to-day things it becomes harder so for someone like me i would really really struggle with doing laundry um you know, doing dishes and, you know, if it's my dishes, my laundry, you know, that doesn't really affect anyone, right? And so those kind of things you can get away with. But when we get into the things like I struggle with texting, right? Like I, I, I struggle with texting because it's just, I don't have this motivation to just engage in this text conversation. Then it becomes harder. Um, when we get into things like, um, showing up to work on time showing up to places on time that's when it gets more challenging showing up to classes on time you know attending school and being consistent with school doing homework on time like it becomes really challenging i would when i was in u of t never be able to write my essays never until it was right before the deadline and i understand that a lot of people feel like well that's a common thing it's not unique like everybody struggles with procrastination trust me when i say this was next level this was I would sit down in front of the computer. I would make the time. I would make the effort. I would be there. I just wouldn't be able to put anything to words until there was that insane amount of pressure that would push me. Um, and this just related to a lot of things. And a lot of people were seeing consistent traits. And for me, it was a very frustrating thing to go through because, like I said, it wasn't for not having the right intention. Do you know what it means to go through your life and consistently have good intentions, but consistently have bad bad outcomes and for it to be kind of outside of your control like sometimes to leave the house like on a a given day I would you know get up shower I would wake up earlier because I knew it was important for me to be on time I would start my day but I would just zone like I, I don't know how to explain this but I would just maybe hyper fixate on something and and realize like oh wow like i'm late and so it's either like i'm super early or super late like just no in between of just being on time like so these things were starting to really get to me it was becoming a lot and i just felt like i couldn't cope it was affecting every area of my life like i said i've spoken about like faith it was also affecting me in terms of money and finances because being able to stay on top of money and just plan and like think through anything financial it was work and my tendency when things would get like you know difficult is to just put them away and not look at those things so anyway about a year ago um what was it a year ago it's been over a year now but let's just say like a year and a few months ago I was in a position where I was extremely frustrated, right? Um, I was figuring out my housing situation and I recorded a podcast on that. If you haven't listened to it, it's there something called like my housing nightmares. Anyway, 
so I was looking for a place. I was frustrated. I didn't know how to go about this thing. My budget, my this, everything was just like a pile of cards that was crashing on my face. And I remember just struggling so much mentally in that period. And it wasn't just because of the housing situation. It was just, I had gotten to this point where I just didn't feel like I could keep up this thing. And I was having panic attack after panic attack. It was just really bad and really dark. And I started doing research because I was like, you know what? I'm tired of these temporary fixes. I'm tired of feeling fine and then crashing. Feeling fine and then crashing. What is the root cause? Because I'm I'm done treating symptoms, right? Like I've looked into like anxiety. I've looked into depression. Both of those things, you know, seem to hold water to an extent, but I knew, like, you know, we just know something, that it was bigger than that. And so my first suspicion was autism. Now, at this juncture, I should just flag that when it comes to anything outside of any mental condition, outside of anxiety and depression, seeking diagnosis, seeking whatever, seeking support is next to, not next to impossible, that's not what I want to, but it's such a behemoth task, especially for people who are already in, you know, a vulnerable mental place. Like, it's such a weird thing to navigate. And especially when you don't have the money to just throw at the problem. Because there's all these private practices that have assessments you can just go in and do, but those assessments are in the thousands. And I didn't, like, if I go and pay $2,000 to get my head checked for something, I better have a thing. Like, do you get? So I didn't want to do that because I, I mean, it was something I could easily afford. It wasn't something that I just like, yeah, it wasn't something I could afford, period. So I started to speak to one of counselors and um, at some point, like it was one of those things where I was using my, my benefits, right? So like employee assistance um, program. So it wasn't like a long-term therapist. I was just in different, th- I would call every time I felt like I needed to speak to someone and I would speak to a different person each time. And they now got to a point where they told me like, listen, like it sounds like, you're dealing with some long-term stuff that you need a long-term therapist for. Like, that's what they recommended is like, you know, this isn't healthy for you, essentially, to keep having to, like, restate your context, right? Like, it's better that you have somebody that understands, you know, that gets to know you. So spending one hour on the phone right now with someone, like, spend the one hour, they get to know you, and then they see you again next week, right? And they're able to track your progress versus having to repeat the whole, like, conversation again and again and again and, you know, keep having to navigate these things. Um, I looked into long-term therapy for cost reasons, for many reasons, the whole housing instability. It just didn't seem, like, very clear how to navigate that, and it didn't seem like I could afford to consistently see a therapist because each therapist visit would run you, like, at least the ones I was seeing, like, maybe 200 bucks like at the time 100 or something like per visits right and if the whole goal is like long term i'm like okay i can pay for one visit right now but like you know i don't know what that kind of looks like so anyway i start a new job and the employee program then had like a telehealth like my benefits like in my present job still the job i have now had a telehealth option so Unlike the previous experience with my old job where the, you know, benefit included like random therapists you see every time, this one was more like, okay, you would see one person and um, they would kind of, like in your first visit, they would determine like how many visits they felt like you needed and then you could come in for all those visits and they would put you on a plan. 
but it was going to be a very specific like hey i need help with this and you would walk towards that thing for x amount of time in x amount of visits but as i started to go in for therapy and you know speak to this person she kind of even highlighted it to me that some of the things that i was flagging weren't really um within the scope of what we were there to cover in a sense so like let me take that back so to her it was like okay well you definitely do have anxiety which is what we were like focusing on um but there's some things that you're flagging that aren't really things that have to do with anxiety so maybe you want to seek like more medical like support right so and this was again as it pertains to like a lot of the things around focus and um what else was i saying i can't remember i I don't want to like even list out symptoms so that like you guys don't feel like this is a script that you can go and take to someone but i was just saying the things randomly right and i think she was like picking up on a few things and she was like hmm um yeah you probably want to consider like you know an alternate solution or something um for for this so i was like okay and then she referred me to because within the same platform you could speak to nurse practitioners like essentially they're like i I guess they're like doctors or whatever like still medical professionals so the only difference is those can actually like prescribe medication blah 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 and so i start speaking to one she actually does prescribing medication to help with like depression anxiety and she said you know what like all this other stuff that you're dealing with like that has to be focused blah, blah blah like this stuff isn't going to help you with that like it will help you know like kind of the symptoms but and maybe that would help you feel better overall and maybe if you're feeling better overall you can manage your other stuff better but we can't like diagnose we can't assess you for you know anything related to focus anything like that and at that like from the beginning of the year to that point i had been suspecting autism right like because I had started to do a bit of research into like the symptoms I was experiencing, etc, etc. And I had brought it up like, hey, like, you know, like might I be autistic? And she was like, yeah, like this is all stuff that we can't, you know, diagnose for. And she was the one who now said, like, you know when someone isn't diagnosing you, but kind of is throwing stuff out there. Cause I didn't say anything about ADHD because my mind hadn't really gone there. But she was like, Yeah, we can't diagnose for anything like, you know, along these lines. Like, you know, what you're saying sounds like it would fall under the ADHD umbrella, and that's just not like stuff that we can diagnose for, but like, you know, we can support you in like seeking that diagnosis. And I was like, huh, interesting. And so that's when I started to look into ADHD and like how I could potentially get assessed. But it was looking long. Like I said, it was still the same thing of you had to throw a few thousand dollars at the problem and get an assessment. And then on top of that, it was like, okay, you would get an assessment, but it wasn't like a universal assessment, right? So if you wanted to change who was treating you for ADHD, you would have to get a new assessment from that person. Like, you get so nobody would treat you for ADHD without assessing you for ADHD. And, you know, like for me, that just felt like long because the assessment was just step one, right? Like you'd spend a few thousand dollars to get assessed and then if you did have ADHD you would now go into their their treatment plans and it was like you know you would be in some kind of you know when you just throw capitalism on top of something like it was essentially that right like it was looking like this thing that you would be in the thing there was no flexibility so let's say you know you did have ADHD and you felt like this treatment plan wasn't working for you like you just you weren't aligned with how they were going about like 
you know, treatment and you wanted to go to another practice, you would have to pay again and start from scratch. And I just felt like that wasn't sustainable and that was something that would frustrate me long term. And so I, you know, was going back and forth about it, but then I got to a place where I was like, you know what, screw it. Like, I'm going to look into this thing. I will speak. I will just start the process, like, and let's see what happens, right? Now, to even get assessed in the first place, like, you need a referral. Like, I think some practices just let you walk in the door and be like, hey, I think I really need you to come and assess me. But in order to get, like, I can't remember what it was that I found out, but, like, I think to get it, like, done outside of a private, like, in, within a government practice, I think you had to get, get a referral. You still have to pay, but I think it was, like, more affordable if you went that route. I can't even remember what I found out. I was, like, deep in several Reddit threads, blah, blah, blah. And so I go to my walk-in clinic and, hmm, sorry, I think I forgot a point that I was going to make. Um, anyway, it'll come back to me. So I go to my walk-in clinic and I'm like, you know, this is the stage. There's a doctor I wish to see. As God will have it, he wasn't in at the time. I end up seeing someone else. And this is important because the person I did see felt comfortable assessing and diagnosing for ADHD and that's something that like not a lot of doctors like general practitioners like physicians or whatever diagnose for right so it's like some do right and I think it's based on what I don't know how medicine works man but it's one of those things where they are few and far between the doctors that would diagnose you and you know like whatever so she assesses me she asks me questions about my general health etc etc like what i had done so far and then she gives me like assignments literally so i had like follow-up appointments um with her she basically gives me these questions that she says i should go think over like spend time not rush the exercise and answer and then bring those answers back and then we will go from there so I walk into my follow-up appointment. I have all the answers to the question. She reads through and she's like, yeah, like, you have ADD. And I'm like, oh, cool. Um, and so she says, you have ADD, anxiety, and depression. And I'm like, interesting. And at that point, honestly, I, I don't even know what I would say was going through my mind. I, I think, like, I had done so much research that I kind of knew like, this was definitely what the thing was. But there was something about hearing it from a licensed professional, right? And then she diagnoses, she prescribes me medication, you know, to help, blah, 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 etc, etc. Eventually, I found out that the doctor that I typically see doesn't prescribe medication for ADHD and isn't comfortable diagnosing for ADHD. So it worked out very nicely. Like, it was so fortunate that I stumbled on this appointment with this doctor who happened to have that like expertise or whatever um so yeah that's how i got my diagnosis and you know i started those pills and honestly at first it was a very weird thing to kind of talk to loved ones about and to come to terms with because there's a lot of stigma and negative connotation around medication for mental health and i understand this i get it till today i don't know 100 percent how i feel about the concept of medicating for mental health i think even i still have reservation but what i've seen is at least i'm able to cope so 
this might not be you know the end or be, be all like solution for my life but in this moment until the time when i discover something better it is working and i'm a stick by it like <laughs> I, I like that for a change i can think somewhat clearly it's not perfect it's not you know it doesn't take everything away it doesn't you know like it it, it is what it is in the in, you get in in many senses and i've you know one thing that has helped has been you know being online and like seeing other people who have like is in a similar position and them sharing their experiences and just having that validating experience of like okay i'm not crazy like this is interesting in my head this is an actual thing and you know right now i feel like the medication is like a huge difference in my day to day it's not like a medication that like is is one of these things that's not like a treatment it is a coping like it is like you know you use it and you're able to function that day type of thing um and you know i i still am processing those feelings you know i've been bummed about it at some point that like i shouldn't feel like i need to take pills so just exist but here we are this is the reality and you know i have more to share on this so there's definitely going to be future content but i feel like this has been a lot to get through um and yeah we'll, we'll pick this up some other time thank you guys so much for listening if you guys have questions anything like that you know feel free to send it respectfully to toast.adini at gmail.com and i'll try and tackle in future episodes but i hope this was interesting in some shape or form and yeah i will talk to you guys next time on talk to me <laughs> all right bye guys